chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I'm excited to have Dr. Randall Zindler on the show today. Randall is the co-founder of the Regenerative Alliance and Senior Teaching Fellow at Lancaster University in England. If you like this episode today, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a five-star rating. Randall, I have been looking so forward to this conversation with you. Thank you so much for being willing to be on the show. And the coolest thing about this, well, there's a lot of cool things, but you are sitting in Switzerland. It's 6 p.m. there. It's 11 a.m. in St. Louis, Missouri. And because of the power of technology, we're able to have this conversation. And I am just so excited and delighted to have you on the show today. Great. Well, thank you, Lisa. It's a joy to be here. I look forward to the conversation. Yeah, we're going to have fun. I know that. It's going to be a rich conversation. So you and I, I always love to tell our listeners, Randall, how people get connected because I think it's really important for them to realize that sometimes one connection leads to another connection leads to another connection. So Randall and I are both in an organization called YPO, Young Presence Organization. Randall has held many leadership roles within YPO. So there may be some YPO listeners out there, but if you've not met Randall yet, make sure that you reach out on the YPO Connect. But we are specifically in a affinity group called the Christian Fellowship Network. And and Randall and I have gotten the opportunity to know a little bit about one another there. But I know you have a wife. I was thinking about this this morning, Randall. You have a wife that's a pediatrician, but you are also a doctor. You have a doctorate in management and organizational leadership. How is it having two doctors in the house? Well, you, you know, you should probably ask our kids that question. <laughs> Uh, we, you know, it's just kind of normal for us, but the kids might be, they do start to say, can you just um, speak normal? Because sometimes <laughs> we get into academic papers and sort of a literature view and all of that kind of speak and it doesn't connect so well. So we kind of ba- have to back out of that sometimes. I love it though. What a rich upbringing for them. I mean, they're getting a little bit of education there from both of you, both from the, the physical as well as the social sciences. You know, so you do have four kids. So you guys are busy. You're busy, but you didn't grow up in Switzerland. You actually grew up in Chicago. 
right? I did. I grew up just northwest of Chicago, Arlington Heights. And um, I was there to, you know, went to public school there, Rolling Meadows High School and in Arlington Heights, and, and then went to university in Wisconsin and in Minnesota. So the Midwest and that part of the world is really part of my formative years, and then went on to explore other parts of the world later. Yes, you did. So yeah, you do. You have a a degree in management from the University of Wisconsin, and then you went on to get another bachelor's in geography and anthropology from Minnesota. But I guess this is kind of where you started spreading your wings. Um, You actually went to Lancaster in England, right, for your MBA. I did. That That was quite a bit later. I did my MBA at Lancaster University. Yeah, and then you actually have a doctorate. And we're going to talk a little bit about your doctoral thesis later on. Oh, gosh. I hope that won't bore our (laughs) listeners too much. I'll try to spice it up a little bit. Yeah, I know you'll do a great job. But, you know, I have to ask you, because I really want to get into what, you know, you're doing today. But, you know, what vision did you have for your life when you were growing up, Randall? Because the way I see you now, you've done so much, and we're going to talk about this in the humanitarian and in the social science area. And I know you have a little bit of a story there, and I want you to really kind of dig into that. But when you were little, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Lisa, um, interesting question. Um, and if I wander, you can redirect and, and poke d- deeper as as you like, you know, in, in what I might share. But so I don't have an answer to that question because I, I didn't, I didn't, it, clarity wasn't there. You know, I mean, you know, some people, you know, at that age, maybe, you know, firemen or a jet pilot or something like that. Some of my kids have that clarity. I did not have that clarity. For me, it was frankly more on survival. I grew up, I, I grew up in a troubled home and I had to navigate through some weird issues, a, a lot of heavy issues. And so dreaming about, you know, clarity of vision of my career really was not top of, top of the list. But I think some of that helped me to, frankly, move out into the world at an earlier age. And, and I had some experience. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it as the best way to, to get any level of expertise on navigating through heavy social situations. But I did have experience in that because I grew up in that. And um, I think scouting helped me a lot. I gained a lot of, I think, confidence in, in, in how to treat other people and how to live in outdoors and first aid, you know, sort of skills and things like that was all very helpful. It gave me some confidence. It was really helpful. Um, and I think maybe um, when in church, I heard a sermon about holy discontent, which led to a prayer of God, break my heart for the things that break your heart. That began to focus on an answer to your question, Lisa. Not with crystal clarity, but it started to move me into this space of entrepreneurial thinking and engaging on hard problems and for vulnerable people and humanitarian work and, and things like that. And then eventually moved me into not what am I going to do, but what problem am I going to be a part of looking for solutions on? That is such a great question. Yeah, not what am I going to do, but what problem? And I think you also moved from a place where as I hear you talking, it's not like what will make me happy, but where can I be the most useful? You know, because you have a story when you were in the Congo 
I think you were like actually boating or something in the Congo, you know, probably that wilderness experience of the Boy Scouts and being outdoors. You And you still have a love for adventure and outdoors. And we'll talk a little bit about that because you do that now with your family. But I listened to a talk of yours and you said you prayed to God. You said, how can I use my experience in the privileged situation that I grew in, grew up in? to serve the poorest in the planet. And you had a challenge, you said, that changed your life with the boating in the Congo. Tell our listeners about that story. I had some adventures. So um, in going to Australia with my bicycle and hitchhiking throughout Africa and, 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 and Europe and North America and so forth and camping and hiking the mountains and paddling and all of that. So on a trip in Africa, and I'll, I'll I'll, I'll shorten this. It's a longer version, I suppose, with right. every country and every detail and every bend in the river. But while canoeing down the Congo River, came to a village where there was living in a, a system that had fully collapsed, meaning or systems, meaning the educational system collapsed, the transportation system collapsed, the postal system collapsed, the health system collapsed, everything. You know, it was really um, after 30 years of dictatorship, um, following colonialism was uh, in a very bad place and met with the elders of this village who asked for some support in finding a bicycle for their pastor, finding some books for their, I mean, a few books just to have in a micro library for their school and a few other things. In my quest then to do something about that, I learned more about um, organizations that are such as World Vision and Food for the Hungry, eventually working for them, and later with Medair and, and so on and so forth, that are actually very active in that space of bringing hope to some of the most vulnerable populations in the world. And that, that then moved me from adventure seeking to actually problem solving. I love that. I love that. And so you did, you did start talking to Food for the Hungry, but they said, I think they said something to you like you have to raise your own support if you want to work here because we do not have money <laughs> to pay you a salary. And, you know, when donors give to organizations, Randall, we know this, they don't want to give to people's salaries. They don't want to go to the GNA, the general administrative costs, right? They want it to go to the program. And you go, well, I don't think I can do that. I but then you ended up, didn't you bike across America or something like that to raise funds? I think that I remembered reading that. Yeah. So you're right. I was made an offer to go work in South Sudan and, but, and it was required that I earn the funds for that for many, many years. And so when I shared my, I guess, frustration with feeling like I could probably see myself, others could see me in that role. I could probably see myself in that role as well. It seemed to fit quite well, but there was this hurdle, this financial hurdle. And um, someone said to me that if God has a challenge for you, if you think that's from him, if you feel called into that, then he probably, he will have the means for you to face that challenge. And I think if anyone else would have said anything else, that probably wouldn't have hit me, but that hit me. It hit me like a ton of bricks when he said that. And I, it really um, stirred something in my heart to pursue that, that, to pursue that challenge. And that's when I thought it was probably going to be a story of leverage, at, like the loaves and the fishes. The little boy that had some loaves and, you know, there, there were a couple of fish and a few loaves, you know, so 
there, there was something, but it was a, a leverage story. So I thought, what do I have? What are my loaves and fishes? And so I had a canoe that I had made and I didn't think I could do much with that, but I did have a bicycle. And so the idea came to me then very clearly to use that bicycle. And so I got myself out to Washington state and began to ride across the United States. This was back in 1994 and, you know, pre mobile phones, pre web and pre GPS. Yeah. Yeah. All that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, and, and just camped along the way and, and, and um, connected with people connected with country music stations, rock music stations, um, television stations, newspapers, just along the way, just, just, you know, rocked up and, and, you know, said, I've, I've got a story to share about suffering, vulnerability and compassion, but I haven't got a lot of time. And so that for many, it was a bit of a gift because they wouldn't normally have had that kind of engagement that day. So, and then I would use their office to call their competition and, and, and then go to the next station down the road. And I worked my way across the United States that way. And when I arrived, I had the money required. It's brilliant. It's like, find a way. And I love what your friend said to you, you know, because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right, Randall? It's all his. And so if he's called you to it, he will give you the resources and equip you to do the job. So I just, I absolutely love that story. So tell me a little bit, before we take a quick break, tell me a little bit about MedAir, because I know that you became the group president or the group CEO. You had about, I don't know, maybe 2,000 employees, something like that. But tell me about MedAir. What What is MedAir? And then we'll talk about a few other things. Sure. Yeah. When I worked for, after my MBA, I, I was, um, I worked in Credit Suisse Group. Um, you know, banking. It was in the marketing space of marketing, and then and then the um, Swiss Air Group and leadership development. And while there, as my wife and I were donors to Midair, a disaster relief organization, I wrote to them and said I would be happy to do some some work related to the work that I'm in and leadership development. Maybe I can offer that as a you know as a volunteer, just free pro bono. I'll even reduce my time at my job to be able to give more to you to be more engaged as a donor. And so I, I worked with them and developed some HR process tools. And in that process, got to know the organization more. And so went from then volunteer to them asking me to be a CEO. Now there was, there's a process in between a recruitment selection process to move that into a, a role, but the role was very much around seeing the amazing impact that like real level five leaders around the organization. I mean, just, I was blown away by the, the tenacity, the ingenuity, the level of compassion, the care for each other, the focus on mission over and over and over again throughout leaders in the organization at all levels. And that all toward the pursuit of bringing hope through health, water, and construction initiatives and projects in a very professional way, because our funding was mostly governmental in a very professional way, but also with it, bring dignity and humanity and care and compassion along with that. So not just skill, but a lot of will that was so admirable. So, so really, you know, the, the, the portfolio is some of the most impoverished and vulnerable populations, often in the most dangerous parts of the world, often in failed states, sometimes complex emergencies where it's a, a natural catastrophe within a war zone. So that's the kind of work that we were doing. Yeah, very good. Well, we've got so much more to talk about. I mean, I know that you transitioned from there to Lancaster as a teaching, you know, teaching leadership and strategy. And so 
I mean, you have so much to share on on that. And I want to get into more the leadership and what you consider to be those traits of a good leader. But we do need to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Dr. Randall Zindler on the Something Extra podcast. In business, the tendency is to seek out partners who are bigger, faster, stronger. When it comes to IT, you should be looking for smarter, faster, better. That's just what you'll find with the talented technologists at Technology Partners. Our experts develop custom solutions to tackle your most complex challenges, all to simplify your processes in the smartest, most efficient way possible. The time to be swift and nimble starts now. Go to technologypartners.net slash solutions and see what's possible. So welcome back, everyone, to the Something Extra podcast with Dr. Randall Zindler. So, Randall, we just left our listeners on a cliffhanger saying that you moved to Lancaster, started teaching leadership. There's so much here that I want to talk about, but I want to talk about the book Good Dividends because I know you teach out of that a lot. But if you were going to mentor some people, some younger people on those like top three to five leadership traits that you believe are needed to be a good leader, what would you say those are? The traits that I discovered through the process of research for leaders specifically that move toward a a purpose-led organization, and in this case, the legal form would be not-for-profit, but it wouldn't necessarily have to be not-for-profit, but it would be missional driven. And that's these. So, and I've got sort of, scientific research to, to back this up because of the core of my thesis was that they're driven to improve, to make things better. That's a little bit different from it's all about them, which leads to the next point, which is humility, a sense of humility, ability to empathize with others, to engage with others. Again, it's not all about me and pride and self-protection, but it's, it's I'm having a posture of humility, being very relational. So I'll get to the point around transactional in a moment when I look at business acumen, but often leaders that are maybe very analytical or transaction oriented don't get the need for being human and connecting with and relating with other humans as in staff and customers and others. And and they might even hide from that. It's not a skill they've developed very well, the social skills and and their awareness, self-awareness, in fact of how they engage with others and what others are picking up. So that place of connectedness and relational thinking, relational being, being adaptable. Times uh, are changing, they change fast. And knowing how to maneuver and to engage with staff and plans change, to have a strategic direction, but to know when and how to adjust and adapt that is quite key. And then one I call adroit or business acumen, which is having the skills, the competencies in technical areas to be able to understand finance and marketing and and the science as well as the art in and around navigating through that and technology and innovation and so on and so forth. So those are five areas that were distilled down from lots of interviews with leaders that had made this kind of a transition. And one thing that emerged, not as a competency, but it just kept coming over and over again, which I put central in the model. And that is around purpose. What I found over and over again was that it was a quest for meaning and purpose and looking for a clarity of purpose in their life that is a good fit and connects with organizational purpose. Okay. Many use words like calling, 
Others used words like being mission-driven or um, clarity of vision and, and so forth. But it was very much around having a, a focus on really understanding what we do and why and for whom. And again, using those attributes um, to make that come into reality. Yes, I love that. And I love, I'm adding this to my vocabulary, I draw it. I, you know, that's not one of those traits that I've heard people talk about, but it is so important, right? To be able to have those competencies and the skills that are needing. So I'm going to add that to my vocabulary, Dr. Randall Zindler. So thank you for that. So I'll this, send you that chapter for, as a bonus. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much. Well, that brings me to this question because you and I have talked offline about this. And I know that you use this framework a lot, even in your teaching. And you actually wrote chapter 12 of this book. Our listeners may want to check into this book, but it's called Good Dividends is the book. And here is what this book seeks to answer the question, leadership for what? And it kind of goes to what you just talked about. What am I, what am I doing? Why am I leading like this? What is the purpose? What is the mission? So can you expound a little bit on this book and why you like it so much? Yeah, sure. Lisa, thank you. I'm bearing in mind that the theory and the model that I just described is very much for leaders that are wanting to, that have a desire for having more positive impact on society and or the environment as they are um, engaged in business. So I should just say that as a caveat and because there's a link here then to those leadership traits uh, for a responsible leader in realizing good dividends. Okay, what do we mean by that? Often when we think of, you know, if a business is doing well, we'll get a cash dividend if if we're a shareholder in it. And this is really to go beyond that because it's not dividend, it's plural. And so to realize all the capitals of the business beyond finance, of course, including finance. Absolutely. You know, if if you're not looking after that, then you're not in business. Right. But um, um, as you are, then also getting very serious and intentional around uh, the people in and around the organization to get very serious around planet issues and community issues. So society and uh, nature, as I described in, in, in the previous model, as well as the brand and realizing the, the tremendous value, if we can get very intentional around sharpening our brand and bring that purpose alive and enabling our customers to see and feel and be a part of that. And then as well, our innovation where is that? Or is it hidden? Have we not really, have we really not gotten very intentional around how we see innovation? And could we do things differently? Could we make them better? And how does that show up in the strategy? So there are a range of capitals. And lastly, I'll, I'll shine some light on governance because does the board get this? Does the board have the visibility on its strategic direction? Clarity of vision, clarity of purpose, clarity of mission, clarity of values. Are they living it out? Are the, are the board members actually living out those values and in a way that is pursuing that, that, that organizational purpose? So that's a kind of a, a run through those pillars, which is the dividends and to be very serious around the metrics that we use on each and every one of them and that we almost change the mindset of the business to focus on purpose in that way that is making the world better. Yeah. Oh my goodness. There's so much there, 
Randall, and we don't have time to like dig in more. I mean, I've got so many more things and I want to get to Regenerative Alliance, which is you had founded. I want to talk about that. But, you know, one of the things I did want you, because there may be some NGOs out there, and I just thought this was really interesting. And I believe this too. We had an, a pastor one time that said, you know, you don't always want to to be so focused on the numbers of an organization, but you do need to be focused on growth because when things are growing, that means the organization's healthy, right? And you talk about that there are four different models, growth models for non-governmental organizations, replicators, branders, radiators, and integrators. Can you just touch on each of those real quickly? And then I want to talk about Regenerative Alliance. Well, you know what? If I could sum it up and call it good growth, you know, rather than I could get microscopic on each one of those and the attributes and technicalities. But Lisa, I think that there is probably, it's not growth at any cost. And it's also bad growth. And I think what we want to do is focus on what is good growth feel? Are we bringing people with us? Does this feel right? Um, are we having a, a good impact on the, on the, the better world we're trying to create or be a part of or hasten? And I think that if we're laser focused for business on finance at the expense of some of the other things that I've just mentioned, it's probably not good growth. And if we're an NGO that is laser focused on fundraising, you know, with either with institutions or philanthropists, and we're not paying attention to other things in the organization like governance or maybe areas of operation that really need attention, then it's probably not good growth. So uh, I guess my encouragement is to maybe use some of those elements that you just shared toward a path that we could might uh, encapsulate as good growth. Right. Oh, I love that summation. <laughs> because growth at any cost is not I mean, that's not good. You know, if you're leaving your people behind or, you know, whatever the case may be, or not looking at your programs or not looking at your operating expenses. So the 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 summation is, I mean, we need to be on our toes because <laughs> there's a lot of things to look at, right? There's just, it's not, it's multidimensional. Yeah, and the list grows. Sorry for that. But it's, it's it does. <laughs> It certainly does. Well, I now I want to talk about Regenerative Alliance. I want to spend the remainder of our time here before we talk about something extra. But you founded um, this you know, organization as a Swiss-based nonprofit. And here's what you said. Our world needs a regenerative economy. What do you mean by this, Randall? Well, you know, it's, it's a movement away from what I guess we could say a, a broken uh, form of capitalism or an economy that's been built on the backs of the global south. It has been is ignored people that are in poverty. It has ignored nature in many respects. So the economy that is more around the good growth that I just mentioned, in fact, would be would be part of that. And the responsible leadership to get there would be part of that. Um, so there's a there's a bit of a red thread through through these themes here. And I, I will just say that you know when we when we look to what was happening in the Industrial Revolution with the level of pollution and a, a kind of extractive capitalism, you know, the dash for cash and how that's been lived out. Certainly in the 70s, it was sort of a, a time in, in 80s and 90s where it was the maximizing, maximizing of shareholder wealth was really the, the reason for business. 
So we're really, the, my co-founders and I are really wanting to encourage businesses and with models like the good dividends to see business in another way, to see that it could be more regenerative, which is about new growth. You know, when you think about springtime, it is a time when there's growth, there's flourishing, um, it's healthy. And um, that's the, the image we want to put in people's minds and to consider where actually the environment and nature creation is a part of that. Yeah. Well, you know, I would really encourage our listeners to dig into this further. But, you know, this regenerative and align, um, experiences is what you call it. You've got summits, leader circles, living experiences, venture circles, roundtables. So tell me about, you know, because you said leaders are lonely. They need support. They need encouragement. And I mean, you're a leadership expert. Randall. And so you talk to leaders all the time and you say one of their greatest pains is a lack of community. Yeah, that's right, Lisa. Where can I get a sounding board off of my ideas, which might be crazy. Maybe I need to be corrected and re- redirected into a, into a better way or encouraged or provided with some insights or some experiences that others have had. And so what we've experienced in, in those circles that are running with the regenerative alliance is that they are thrilled to be able to bounce crazy ideas, the hardships of life personally, professionally, maybe internally, um, maybe with family to enable them to pursue their business ambitions in, in a way that's healthier for them, healthier for their business, needing to pivot in certain areas to use some of those attributes I mentioned about being adaptable and relational and, and humble and so forth. Because when you help, we, I think we need, all need to have enough humility to, to realize that holding a mirror up to ourselves once in a while is, is healthy. Absolutely. Yes, we all need that community. We were not meant to do life alone. So I love this. You, I mean, there's, there's something I read and you say that regenerative alliances makes us unstoppable. Yeah, what that means is there's a lot in there. Um, I talked about, you know, having a, as a leader to be relational, to, to cultivate that need for connectedness. And that unstoppable is, is not a posture of arrogance. It's, it's really run together. Uh, we can do more and do better and probably do it faster. Um, so it's very collaborative language. And that's what, what's meant by that. And as we focus, we, we really want to always remind ourselves that it's, it's very much around Knowing ourselves better. I've, I've mentioned self-awareness a few times. Holding a mirror up is, is, is helpful, healthy. Maybe we don't always like what we see, but it's important to recognize that. And nature, and that's that, that doctoral model I mentioned. How can we be more, have a more positive effect on others, society and the environment and nature? And is that in, in our strategy? So those are the key pillars that we want to always remind ourselves of. And one shouldn't be at the expense of the other. Of the other. Yeah. I love it. Well, Dr. Zindler, what do you believe is the something extra that every leader needs? So one, the self-awareness is, you know, because we all have different gifts. Um, that would be one, you know, what's my area of, of giftedness would be one area for another talk, another time to go into. But I have to say, when you ask the question, a, a memory came back to me, Lisa, of when I was hiring a director and it was a pretty rigorous process. We had a lot of you know, in, in the recruitment process and finally wound it down to a few candidates. And after this one, 
a couple of us sat around and one of the people in the interview room said there was something special about that person, which was their probably unique combination of humility and confidence. And it was the combo of those two things that made them stand out. And I never forgot that. And then the, you know, the bigger question then would be, where does that humility and that confidence come from? How is that knit together in a way that was so special that didn't come across as arrogant, but had enough courage to say things that need to be said and to decide things that need to be decided, but it's done in a way that is also humble and empathetic. So I think that combo factor, I'll leave that one with you today on that. That's an awesome, I love that. I love that. A unique combination of humility and confidence. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, what do you want to tell our listeners? How can they get, first of all, how can they find Regenerative Alliance? Like how, if they wanted to join a Regenerative Alliance? I mean, I'm sure that you have information on that, but how can our listeners get involved? What are you excited about right now, Randall? Yeah, that, so that we're having a, uh, in fact, if you're in Switzerland next week, we have an event. We have a couple slots open. You didn't know I would say that. I didn't know you'd ask, but that's a reality. So, um, we are having an event uh, up in the Alps. It's a living experience, so kind of a retreat by 20 people going deep into these issues for a few days. And that's for leaders and entrepreneurs because that's who we serve. And we have other initiatives happening. The easiest way is to look at our website, which is regenerative-alliance.org. Very good. Well, Randall, this has been such a delight. I have loved every minute of spending time with you here. I just feel like, you know, I'm coming away a better person just having spent some time with you. So I really appreciate you making the time. Lisa, it's been a joy. And uh, thank you so much for the podcast. I'm enjoying them so much. The insights that I'm gaining and it really just gives me new perspective. It's, and I find it very refreshing the way that you engage uh, with all the people that have been on it so far. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc. 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.